Welcome to the American Downhiller Podcast. This is episode number 12 presented by SkiRacing.com. Thank you all for listening and for watching and keep spreading the word. Today is all about the Women's Olympic Downhill with a very special guest, U.S. Olympian and American Downhiller, Alice McKenis Duran. Hey everyone, I'm Doug Lewis, two-time Olympic downhiller, and today I am happily wearing my candy cane suit from 1984. Yes, I lost the bet. Um, if any American downhiller got on the podium in speed, I would wear this suit. I can barely get in it. There's some issues going on, but I do have it on. Congratulations to RCS. And just to prove it, I can get in my chuck in this suit still. Boom! Ouch! So I can't really stand up straight, but thank you for RCS for making this dream come true. Thanks for hey, joining me is the fastest downhillers <laughs> in Olympic history. First off, AJ Kitt, the first four-time Olympian on the U.S. ski team and competed in Calgary, Alberville, Kvitville, and Nagano. So AJ, what Olympic gear do you still have or uh, what means the most to you? Well, I don't have anything like that, but... Um... I've got jackets from the opening ceremonies, the medals jackets, which unfortunately I never got to use, but um, that's what they call them. And my, I've got the cool rings. Um, the one thing that, um, that we did get, and I don't know if they still do this, but in all the Olympics I went to, they always gave us a really cool leather, like, you know, letter, almost a letterman's jacket. And it's got the Olympic rings embroidered on the back. And then on the inside patch, it's got all your, you know, the games that you were in and the events you competed in. And by 98, I had, you know, four of them on there. It was really cool. I had Super G downhill and combined in a couple of them. So I, my patch was looking pretty good. And then I went to uh, an Olympic thing one time and, and Dara Torres was there. She's an Olympic swimmer and her patch is like this big. <laughs> Made me feel this big. But anyway, that's probably the coolest thing I have. None of which I ever wear because I think it's a little, I don't know, a little in your face, but it's cool stuff to hang in the closet. Nice. Darren Rawls, member of three Olympic teams, Nagano, Snow Basin, and also Sestrier in 2006. Darren, do you have, I'm seeing something that you're wearing. What are some of the cool things that you still have from the Olympics? Louis, you got the fourth Olympic Games right here. Vancouver. Oh, fourth. Sorry. Ski cross, man. So this is, uh, I don't want to feel, I'd make you feel left out. So I'm wearing the whole. Whoa. One piece. <laughs> <laughs> this is the, uh, there we go. This is just uh, actually what I still wear a little bit too, you know. Um, this is a, basically a long underwear one onesie. It went under the uh, ski cross suit that we had. But like AJ said, I mean, as Olympians, you get just so set up with so much gear. Um, I got some cool shoes I like like to wear, some Olympic uh, branded shoes. And um, over the four years, I don't have much. I have a kimono from Japan, 1998, that's still in the closet. I have a huge bag stuffed full of gear that's still in the plastic wrapper, you know, uh, from like 2006 and 10, but um, it is a little in your face. It's kind of fun to bust it out once in a while and, and the rings come out here and there, but it's just, you know, it's, this is the time. This is, I'm actually just watching the review of the women's downhill trail run here. So I'm all, I'm getting all Olympic out right now. All right, don't, don't spoil it because we're going to dive into that. Now let's turn to Alice. Alice is a two-time Olympian. She competed in 68 World Cup downhills in her career with two podiums and one amazing win at St. Anton, squeaking out the victory 
victory by seven hundies. She also had an incredible fifth place finish at the 2018 Olympics in the downhill. She's also suffered many severe injuries, but has come back stronger every time. A true warrior and a true champion. Alice, welcome to the show. Where are you based these days? And what are you doing with yourself now that you're not running downhill? Well, thanks for having me. I'm excited to catch up with everyone. I am in Minturn, Colorado. I am coaching at Ski and Snowboard Club Vale, and I'm basically like a U12 wrangler slash coach. Um, so yeah, trying to get the kids out on the hill and get them focused and get in the course. And that's like a big part of my day. And uh, today we actually had a Super G training day at Ski Cooper. So it's really exciting to get these young kids on speed skis, which are actually just longer GS skis, but for them, it like feels very epic to be on a pair of 165. So that's been really fun for me the last few days, getting on the speed side of things with the young kids. Going from Olympics to U12, uh, what's been your biggest surprise coaching these little rippers? Um, I think it's been one of the most refreshing things, I think for me has just been um, the pure joy and passion a lot of these kids have for skiing and ripping around with them and free skiing with them. And like, quite honestly, there's a group of them that like totally can drop me when it comes to free skiing. Like they bust off in the woods and I'm like, well, I hope we meet at the chairlift because you're definitely going to be faster than me through the woods. Um, so I really love that. Just like getting back to the roots of where my journey started in ski racing, ripping around with friends and just enjoying the whole mountain. Nice. Talk about the, maybe the coolest gear you have. You have a great sweater on. Is there something that just stands out that was really special that you got from the Olympics? Well, the one thing I have here is this um, Olympic panel, and this is from the Super G um, in the 2018 games. And I mean, I wish I had a downhill panel because I was more of a downhiller, but my ski technician, I, I guess at the Olympics, this is a thing. I've never been at the start after a race. But when everyone's coming down the course after a race happens, people are like ripping the panels off of the gates because everyone wants to like save a panel. And so my technician saved me a panel from the Super G. Um, he couldn't do it for the downhill because after the women's Olympic downhill, there's still the combi race, which like combi's not my deal. So he wasn't even up there. And then he'd also gotten me another panel over here. Um, from one of my World Cup podiums in Ore, Sweden. So that's those are things that are like really special and meaningful to me and just like something I'm always going to have on my wall and have forever. Very nice. Now I'm going to throw this question out to AJ, Darren, and you. Um, it was hard for me to watch ski racing after I retired. There's a couple of years there I was like, didn't even turn it on. It was it was tough, you know, and, and there's a lot of emotion in there. Um, how are you at watching the Olympics and the World Cup the year after you retired? I'll start with Alice, but AJ and Darren, I want to hear your thoughts as well. How's it, how's it going mentally? Uh, it's a mixed bag for sure. Like I watch some races and I'm like, man, I wish I was there. And I really miss that feeling of like racing and competing and being on course. Like I miss being on course most of all, like everything else that comes with it. I'm honestly like very relieved about to not have to do. Um, and then there are some races I watch and I'm like, I'm so glad I don't have to do that race <laughs> or like ski in those conditions or like I watch like Garmish and I'm like, thank God, I don't have to do that one. <laughs> like that race was like my nemesis. And um, so it's a little bit of a mixed bag for sure. 
Uh, mine, let's see. Um, yeah, it was a transition and I, I definitely had a, a couple of yeah, hard seasons watching it. I was working for NBC and um, at that time it was Outdoor Life Network that was showing a lot of the World Cup. So, um, you know, I was watching all of it and I was commentating on it. It was, it was tough because everyone that was there was uh, still racing with guys I raced against. And so, you know, it's like, man, should I really, should I be down there? I, I quit at 28, so I was a little bit young, but, you know, injuries got the better of me. And so I didn't really go out on my own terms and that made it more difficult. So, um, but, you know, you, you get over it, you figure out uh, the, the next passion in life and, and, and how you re, sort of redefine yourself. So um, I think you're doing the right thing, staying involved in the sport. I, I kind of did the same thing with NASTAR and coaching young kids and that, that giving back it becomes very rewarding yeah certainly it has been for me yeah and, and you know I think we're all I mean it's, it's it means so much to all of us you know like it's our life and and it's a sudden change and I went back to Beaver Creek Birds of Prey um the following year after retired and I was on the side of the hill and just shaking my head like what am I doing here like I should be in the gate racing oh and then um it just it was one of those things like uh I definitely, after that, I removed myself. I didn't go back to Kitzbühel for seven years. I didn't really go back to Beaver Creek for a few years. I didn't really pay attention at all. Somebody's like, oh, Bodie just one bang. And I'm like, but I knew what you know day it was because you're kind of used <laughs> to like that like you know routine. I knew exactly it was, it was um, you know, downhill race day in, in Vangen and he won. I was like, wow, that was, that's awesome. I didn't even know. I wasn't even paying attention, but um. I had something to kind of like just take over my focus a little bit. I got in the ski cross and, and that was kind of fun because I was with Jake Fiala and Casey Puckett and, and um, we were kind of in the trenches there, you know, just uh, competing and had a great tour, but it's not easy as an athlete. And, and um, look at like now I really embrace it. I love it. Like all of us, especially, you know, Louie and AJ, I mean, we've been out of it for a long time. Not like Alice, but, it's, uh, you know, I, I can really, you know, get behind our guys and, and support them. And just, I, I love checking in, talking to all of our racers and keep going, Alice, with, with all that, with the, with the young kids. It's, it's really important. Yeah, I appreciate that, guys. I think it's like one of the hardest things in the first year is like you still feel like it's so within your grasp to be there. And you watch people go by and you're like, I think I could still beat you, <laughs> you know? But that's just like thinking the easy, you, then you really just take a step back and you reflect on like how hard it is and how much it takes to put yourself in that position to actually be prepared to go out on the course, to do your thing, and then to be successful. Like no one wants to go out there and like be 30th. Like if I was to continue, it would have been, I just want to do it because I want to be on the podium. Like I don't need to be 15th anymore. Um, so I always would come back to that. I'm like, it's not as easy as being like, I could still beat you. Like it takes so much more than that. For sure. I mean, I mean, every one of us heroes played a huge role, like Ingemar Stenmark, Phil Mayer, mentory. And, um, to give back Alice, uh, to inspire and educate the next generation is awesome. Alice, we're going to move right to teammates. Incredible. I try to think of the, the team you've been on and, and shared this team with from Vaughn to Alice Merriweather to Loren to Mancuso. Talk about what those teammates did for you. What did they give you? Well, I, I when I reflect back on my career, I feel incredibly lucky um, to have been surrounded by the group of women I was with. I mean, I came on to the World Cup with Vaughn and Mancuso and it was like, 
you know, they were idols for me. I'd known who they were since they were 15 and since they were on the US ski team. And then, you know, I'm 20 years old and I'm on this, you know, on the same slope with them, training with them. And that was incredible for me. And I think it just like really opened my eyes to how much better I needed to get because I recognized, like I thought at a Noram level, like, oh, I'm a pretty good ski racer. And then I went to World Cup and was like, I'm not really that good <laughs> in comparison. So those women just like completely elevated my skiing and pushed me to be better and really taught me like what it is to be a professional athlete. And, you know, you know, Vaughn and Mancusa were obviously like on the elite end of our team. And then the other women I was surrounded with too, like Stacy Cook and Leanne Smith and Loren Ross. And it's just like, we were all such a tight crew and um, really pushing each other a lot. I mean, I can remember trying to qualify for world championship and Olympic teams. And it was so hard. It was so hard to make those teams. I remember, um, you know, the one season, all of us were on the world cup podium at some one point or another, and that was incredible. And going into world championships, you know, every single one of us, or almost every one of us had had a podium at that point, Loren podiumed after world champs, but it was like, we had to qualify for the downhill race and we'd already all been on the podium. Like it was insane. And I feel like I owe so much of my uh, success to being pushed by my teammates and supported by them. If you're at the start, a couple teammates have already gone. Who is the one person and don't, I'm not going to, I don't want to make anybody mad, but who is that one person you needed that course report from? Maybe not technically, but mentally. Um, I always loved hearing from Stacy Cook, honestly. I think Stacy and I like really connected well and, you know, we shared technicians for several years. So it was like, you always had that similar language and sort of spent a lot of time riding the chairlift together and like really knew how, knew what each other was working on. So I think you could really relate to like, if Stacy felt this, to me, that translates to this. Um, so I really loved hearing from her and she was um, wouldn't embellish too much on the course reports. She was short and direct, and that was like just what I needed. I didn't need like a ton of information. So, Alice, did you and Stacy then really really work on a plan together, like on tactics, and and just kind of like decide kind of what information you wanted to have back um, at the start, or is it just kind of like just let me know, you know, I mean, if it ran great, or just I want to hear your voice and get me fired up. I think certainly before you know, every downhill as a group, depending on like what your starting position was, you would, we'd come together before and be like, okay, like, what do you want to know on the course report? And you could go around and check in with your teammates, say you were starting early and you were going to give the first report. You could check in and be like, okay, like Loren wants to hear about whatever, fall away. And then, but Stacy really wants to know about player's corner, you know, things like, I'm just thinking of Lake Louise and that you always knew what people wanted to hear. And then I feel like we always had a good plan from there moving forward. I think that's good for just everybody hearing our conversation right now because that's exactly what we did too. You know, I had exactly kind of like the information I wanted to hear from a coach or a teammate um, on the radio. So it's not like you just don't hear all this information. You're trying to like, it doesn't, you know, really concern you. But to get that valuable feedback on specific areas of the course, I think it's really important. And I think that's, one advantage that young kids or coaches can have talking to their, their athletes about, um, okay, like, do you have any questions about the course? What's your biggest concern? What do you want to hear at the start before you go? Uh, here's a little secret. I won't go too deep, but, um, you know, so, and 
the same with coaches. Some coaches you wanted to hear about, they gave you what you needed. Some coaches didn't. And sometimes we'd tell the coaches that we didn't want to hear from, we'd tell them we were on channel four and channels instead of channel three. So we'd miss that, but I'm not going to go deeper into that. Hey, um, let's talk about injuries. It's part of the sport. Alice, you've had your share. I want to know what you learned about yourself from going through an injury and through that recovery and returning. What'd you learn about yourself? I mean, I think one of the biggest things I take away from the injuries that I had, and they were numerous and some were pretty significant, was just the resiliency I have as a person. Like, I never knew that, how resilient I could be. And, um, you know, I knew I, from a young age, I was very determined. Like, that was something I always felt from deep within inside me, that I was a determined person and had the ability to work hard. Like, that was not a big deal for me. Um, but the resilience I had to learn and the resilience I had to like just bring forth every day to keep going and to work through the rehabs and then to get back on snow and then just like the daily resilience as a ski racer like it's a really challenging sport and once you've had injuries there's always a little bit of something in the back of your brain that's like this could happen again you know make good choices (laughs) and you know downhill ski racing it's like it's a great thing, but it's not always a great choice, right? Like there's definitely consequences that we've all experienced and they're very unpleasant. Yeah. Have you talked to uh, Breezy about her just recent surgery and her, her injury? I mean, she's gone through a lot, but always having the support from your teammates is important. Yeah. I think that's incredible. And I have caught up with Breezy and um, I mean, that's one thing Doug, you mentioned earlier is like the team that I was with, like every person on my team was injured at some point and the current women's team right now like they've all been injured within the last year and a half essentially like and I think having that support from your teammates and also being empathetic to what each person is going through is something that really um, brings the team together and also like supports you moving forward knowing like she knows what I'm going through maybe she has a different injury but she knows what it's like and you can really relate on that and those little victories you get every day, whether it's in the gym or on the hill, like you all recognize that with each other, which is really great. We all want to know um, your thoughts about Schifrin, but AJ, ask away about, you know, not coming back from injury, but coming back from two DNFs. Yeah. So, I mean, you know, after the slalom race, um, you know, all my friends were hitting me up and it was, I was either hearing, you know, from, oh, I feel so bad for her or get over yourself already. Right. So there's, sort of these two approaches to what, what we all observed in, in that race. And, you know, frankly, I think both of those sort of boil back down to, I think in this country, we put too much of a premium on, on Olympic gold medals. And, and I think the pressure that she's under, whether it's self-inflicted or, or whether it's, you know, from the outside, but she recognizes the pressure and the expectations that's just, that's a lot. I mean, I, I watch her come through the finish line when she wins a regular World Cup race and I don't see elation and joy on her face. I see relief. Like I expect to win this race. Everybody expects me to win this race. I've won this race. There's no, it's like, you know, I don't know. I, 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 I'm concerned a little bit. And then I saw her come through the finish in the Super G and I saw a completely changed person. Like, I think she felt relieved that she wasn't in the medal. So it's like, I had fun. I went out there and I gave it my all and I'm seventh. That's okay. Why can't that be what ski racing is about? And I'm listening. I'm not saying 
go out there and have fun and, and you know get the go for the participation medal. I'm saying go out there and lay it on the line, but my God, like let's be realistic about the depth of competition that's out there and 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 what it's all about. So, Alice, what's your take on all that? Yeah, I think you make some really great points there, AJ. And like I agree with you. I think there's such a premium placed on Olympic medals and Olympic gold medals. Like sometimes people are like, oh, you got a silver. Like who cares? They got a medal. <laughs> or, you know, I get all the time like, oh, you were fifth. Like that's such a bummer. I'm like, that was the best race I'd had in like five years. Okay. <laughs> like yeah. that was like a really big deal for me. Um, and yeah, as far as like Michaela goes, like I did notice after that super G, just like the little bit of a smile on her face. And I really hope that she can just for these next races, just like ski free. Like I yeah. think the expectation these next couple races is less for sure. Like there's definitely a chance she could win the downhill and obviously yeah. a great chance she could win in the combi or medal or whatever. But I think the expectation is much less and there is hopefully less pressure on her and she's feeling less pressure and that she can just ski free and ski for herself and ski for the joy of it. And you never know what happens when you're skiing like that. Like sometimes you just like rise even more and have these incredible moments and incredible runs and like ski beyond yourself even. Yeah, I agree. I think if she can ski freely, like that's a great way of putting it. If she can just free her mind of all this stress and expectations and all this, like all these external things obviously she's the best skier maybe that this world has ever seen right technically and all that kind of stuff we know she can do it um but you know if she can just release all this other stuff i think she's got a chance of winning anytime she goes out of the starting gate so the downhill is a great chance i mean if goja skis at 100 percent, you know it's her race to lose but maybe she's she's clearly not 100 percent. she skied pretty well last night but i mean michaela could be right in there in downhill and clearly like the combined is probably hers to lose at this point because of her slalom before we get to our picks aj you're kind of jumping the gun there before we get to the picks, um i have one more question about this and it has to do with michaela but it has to do with all of us um you saw her after the, her two dnfs that her confidence was gone to me confidence is almost the most important to skill to have in that starting gate especially the downhill i'll ask each of you like alice what gave you confidence in that starting gate to me it was visualization if i could visualize it and know that course and be able to attack full on because i knew exactly where i was going that helped me what helped you get confidence in that starting gate i mean visual visualization was a huge tool for me and i think for any alpine skier they would agree with that um i always would reflect back and take confidence out of the preparation i'd done and so for me that was like reflecting back on the entire prep period, like knowing I gave a hundred percent in all my physical training. I did everything I could to be physically, mentally, and just prepared as I could be. And then knowing that I'm like, I've done everything. I've done all the work. Like now I can believe in what I've done and everything I put forth and just give it my best shot. And that's what always gave me confidence was like recognizing everything I'd done to get there. It's the whole package. I mean, all that, you know, just knowing that you've done everything possible to get in that position to, to um, put your best performance out there. I knew when I got in the gate, I had, you know, the skis to win, the, except for 2006, but uh, the skis to win, the preparation, you know, just, I went over like, everything. And um, it was just something that like, that it builds internal confidence. 
Um, it's so important. And that's just, if you have doubts because you didn't do enough, then you're going to be struggling. Yeah. For me, confidence just came from my feeling on my equipment and, and, you know, what probably led up to that was preparation and all that kind of stuff. But if I was feeling confident on my skis, like I knew that I, you know, could pick my line and ski my line and, and, you know, ski powerfully and cleanly and all that kind of stuff. I had supreme confidence in the starting gate and I was ready to attack the course, but there's another side to that coin that I've also experienced where you're just not confident for whatever reason. And, you, you know, then you're standing and starting to get going, well, I'm not sure how this is going to go, but let's try anyway, you know. But even the success from your teammates, I mean, that kind of elevates you a little bit. And then coaches, I mean, Jono would be just so fired up and like right there, he'd just be like, just inserting more confidence and fuel in, into my, you know, just my outlook and in my days. All right, let's jump to this Beijing Olympic uh, downhill course. We saw it with the men. The women had their first training run. Alice, what's your take on this course? Would it have been yours? What do you like about it? What's the feel? Um, well, it's interesting. I mean, I think watching the first training run, the first thing that comes to mind is like how many women missed the same gate. <laughs> and I think 16. it's called like the saddle jump or wherever, where they have a big right footer. And it looks like you really like have to steer the skis around like to get the direction. And if you don't have that direction, like it is over. Um, so I thought that was really interesting. And I think there'll have to be some major adjustments from a lot of those women to figure out how to ski that turn correctly and to not lose, not blow too much speed in order to get ski direction. Um, and then another thing that I think has really stood out to me throughout the entire Olympics um, on the speed side is the bottom flat, like through that canyon section. I mean, watching how the men, if you don't execute the last few turns out of that bowl onto the flat, like you're done because it looks extremely flat down there. And who knows if there's like any kind of weird wind coming up the canyon. Like, I think that is super critical is carrying speed out of that bowl onto the bottom flat because it's really long too. And I've really paid attention to the speeds that people are carrying that final speed trap onto the flat. And like, half a kilometer, one, one kilometer, like that's huge. Like it could be over if you're going slower. So Alice, what do you see as the key to take the speed off that, the pitch, the drop down and that bowl turn? Like what do they have to actually do and execute? I think coming out of the bowl, I mean, there's like a little weird chicane turn entering the bowl. And it seems to me, it's like, if you have enough elevation throughout the whole bowl, your final left-footed turn if you're exiting the left-footed turn with enough elevation to where you can ski deep into the right-footed turn onto the flat, like then you're going to carry speed. Anytime there's an athlete coming in that's like a little bit behind and a little bit low out of that bowl, they just don't have the speed when they carry onto the flat. And then it's like, you can't make it up. I mean, maybe <laughs> it seems like maybe if you're on heads, you have a good shot. I'm just going to throw that out there. I just like they're this is you know disclaimer I was a head athlete the last few years of my career but like it's been interesting how heads have been very successful at these Winter Olympics. Don't get Darren started, Alice. <laughs> Don't get him started. Don't poke the bear. I've been, poking, I've been poking the bear the whole Olympics, and I finally gave up because he won't even he won't even react. No. Yeah, just, just yeah, just better skiers on head in the, in the men's side, I guess. I agree with a lot of that stuff. I mean, you know, we're all downhillers. We've all, I think we can all um, feel and visualize ourselves skiing that course after watching it. I mean, there, there's a, there's a, a risky bargain in that net turn 
And, and in the first, uh, in that first training run, I think a lot of the women, and I saw a lot of the guys doing it too. They, you know, jump off that left ski, get out by the net really quick and just skid along that net until they found the spot to pressure the ski and bring it back and try to get that really tough left direction. But a lot of the ladies, I think later on in the run, maybe they were seeing some stuff on the monitor at the start. And I know a lot of the guys adjusted as well, but instead of getting way out to the net early, they pointed the skis a little bit more direct at what would be the, eventually the apex and trying to make one turn and hook back under that gate. Um, and that's, that I think is the correction that we need to see. And that's where the fast skiing is going to come. And then the, the, for me, the, the, the turn coming out of the pitch onto the flats and as, as any ski racer will tell you that that is the key is carrying the speed from the pitch onto the flats. You got to be on that really clean on that right ski coming out of that bowl. And I, and I, I've seen people take a really direct line and pinch those last three gates and get in trouble. But if you're a little bit rounder and can give yourself some room to be smooth and get up on that, on that bank on the right ski and really carry, I think that's the key to that last turn and, and carrying the speed onto the flats. Alice, I'd like to, I know you're not over there. I'd like to have you take us into the video room. This is a new course they've never run. Do they all watch video together or do they come in separately? Are they watching Euros? Are they watching Ryan Cochran's Bayot Foyt's run? Like what, tell us what's happening in that video room with the girls over in Beijing. Well, I'm sure they all watch the men's downhill very closely. And although the course like has some adjustments, like pretty similar, like the women's course looks a little bit turnier, but it's very, very similar. So I think the women have a very good idea of like going into this whole deal, like where the line is theoretically. Um, generally, they'll be watching video alone with their coaches and they'll be analyzing fastest sections. So there might be five intervals on that course. I'm not totally sure, but they'll have the five fastest splits of the top 30 women. So our, you know, the women's coaches are videoing every single athlete in the top 30 because we don't know who's going to be the fastest in each section. And then you make that into one clip and you watch that whole run over and over. So it could be five different athletes or it could be an athlete that won three sections. And you're really analyzing that line and trying to figure out, you know, what works and how to modify your line to like maybe match those or do it better because, you know, honestly, just of being a new course, like whoever was fastest in this first training run, that may not necessarily be the fastest line. They were just fastest that day. And no one really knew what they were doing, you know, sort of had an idea, but it's not like going to Cortina or to Lake Louise and you're like, you ski it this way and this is the fastest way. And that really hasn't changed in 10 or 15 years. When you were racing, Besides the Americans, would you always watch Gojo? Did you always watch somebody and because they matched your style for, for something? Yeah, I mean, Gojo is always one to watch for sure. Like as far as like comparing my style to hers, like she's a little more um, wild, I would say. You know, I really like, you know, someone watching like Kareen Suter, like she's super smooth. She's really balanced. She's generally in a good position and she's generally on the correct lines. So, like she's someone I watch more frequently in like the later part of my career when she was really rising up. Um, but like, you know, you're kind of watching who's ever like really on the peak at that time. Cause it can change really rapidly. Like, you know, four years ago we were walk watching Ilka Stuick like all the time. And like, now she's really dropped to the middle of the pack and like, no one's probably watching her video right now, to be honest. For me, it was Zerbrigan. And the reason I watched Zerbrigan's videos because 
he skied a lot like me, very technical. He's a lot taller than me, but he was skinny. He was more aggressive. He was technical. So that's why I watched him. Darren and AJ, who were your go-to watches if you could watch one person in training run? When I was, um, you know, before I was, well, when I was younger and, and just sort of in the early 90s, I was watching Atlee Scardall a lot. I really liked his style. I didn't ski like him. I wanted to, but I didn't. Um, but I liked his style a lot. Um, but in, you know, in, in later years, I mean, I was watching whoever was fast. I mean, if it was Heinzer or, 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 uh, uh, Luke Alfond or, you know, whoever, I just watched whoever was fast looking at their line, um, just looking for little, little differences. Yeah. It didn't matter uh, for me either who it was, it was like, who was the fastest and, um, just picking it apart, right. Looking at all those different sections. And, uh, and we end up watching a lot of Austrians because those guys are fast, the Swiss guys and the Norwegians. Um, they're always like in there, but um, I was just trying to figure out, you know, why they're faster. How can I go faster than those guys? At the 88 Olympics, though, Louis, I remember I got on the chairlift behind Zerbergen and I was 19 years old and he was obviously a veteran. and He won that year. So he was really, really fast. But I got off the chairlift and I buckled my boots really quick and jumped in behind him and I followed him. I mirrored him down the hill for a run. And I, I mean, for me, that was like, I learned so much just watching him ski. And I'll never forget. It. I love the way that guy skis. He's like a, yeah. a ballet artist on skis. He's beautiful. I will just say that a lot of times uh, when I was racing, uh, Bill Johnson and Peter Mueller were fast. Those guys couldn't buy a carved turn. So I wouldn't even watch their videos. <laughs> <So> <laughs> they were fast. I just couldn't ski like them. Hey, uh, Alice, Olympic stress. Talk to those young, uh, those youngins, Bella, Keely, Alex, Mo, first time Olympians. Talk about how you handle this Olympic stress because it is a different feel. I mean, I'm just getting goosebumps when I say Olympics. It's different. Yeah, there's no denying like the Olympics feels different. And people can tell you until the cows come home, like, oh, it's another ski race. Like, just go ski racing. Like the intensity and just like, the atmosphere feels so much bigger and um, it can be overwhelming. And I like my biggest piece of advice in those scenarios, just like embrace it, embrace that it feels different, embrace that it feels bigger and heavier and more and everything. And like really soak that in and use it as energy to fuel yourself. And also at the same moment, recognize like it is ski racing. Like it's not like you're doing a different sport all of a sudden and the same rules apply. Like you have to ski you know, keep thinking about the things that make you successful and make sure you're executing your plan. And like, that doesn't change, but it's just the atmosphere is different, but don't let that like totally derail what you're out there trying to do. And, and lastly about the USG team, uh, Jackie, Jackie was a compatriot of yours coming back from injury. What do you like about Jackie's style? And what would you tell her if you could talk to her about this race? Yeah. I mean, I, I was on the team with Jackie for many years and like, she was really starting to peak before the last Olympics had a horrible knee injury. And then it's just been like grinding and grinding and grinding to get back. And it's like, I'm so happy to see her at these Olympic games. And I feel like she started to really turn the corner a lot in her skiing. And it looks like she's gaining more confidence, especially in the last few world cup races. And I think for her just moving forward is like trusting herself and trusting herself to ski the turn deep. Like sometimes, and Jackie will be the first to admit this, Jackie loves to pinch off turns and she loves to hunt those panels. And so for Jackie, it's just like, trust yourself to ski it deep, to ski the ski out and like be clean on the top of the turn and like 
she's got incredible gliding skills. So this hill can be really good for her because from watching the TV, it looks like there's a lot of flat and that can really suit her well. Like for me, training with Jackie, like I could never beat her on the flat. And it was like, at first it was really frustrating. And then I just realized I'm like, she's just, she's just got the touch, you know, she's just better on the flat. So I'm hoping she can bring that in these, in this upcoming downhill race. All right, now we go to the contenders and get ready for your picks. Uh, let me just go over uh, the overall downhill standings coming in. Goja, who's hurt, we know, was ranked number one, obviously. Won about a million races in a row. Uh, Corinne Suter from Switzerland is ranked second. Ramona Siebenhofer from Austria, third. Breezy was fourth, but unfortunately not there. Miriam Puchner, who I think won the first run, or she's skiing pretty well. Kira Vital, who actually won today's training run because Pritzka Neufer missed a gate. So Vital from Germany. Nadia Delago, Hooter, Fleury, Goot coming off the gold medal in Super G. Shire, who missed a gate. Brignone. It's all over the place. Um, let's talk about Goja. Does anybody have any thoughts about Goja racing injured? I mean, she, she raced today. Uh, she finished looked, wasn't that bad. She looked relieved that she got across the finish line. I'm just worried about, you know, there's a couple of couple of jumps in, in one term where she's got to really lay it on that left leg. I'm just worried about that a little bit. But, you know, she looked awful happy and comfortable in the training run. Er, uh, Darren shared with us, you know, he was in Kitzbühel not feeling 100%, but it's Kitzbühel. He raced through it. Like, you know, you got two minutes. Alice, you've raced through pain a lot. How did you deal with that in the starting gate to, to punch it? Yeah, I mean, I think in this type of scenario, you just black out. Like, you're like, yeah, my body's a little bit compromised at the moment. And I mean, speaking to Goja, like she's going to do this, you know, she's going to, I think the first training one was like a relief for her. She was definitely tentative and like feeling it out. But I'm pretty confident in the race. Like we're going to see the old Goja, like loose, kind of all over the place, like sending it, have a few moments where you're like, oh my God, what did you do? Um, and I think she's a huge contender still, even though she's, you know, compromised in whatever way she is right now. And, you know, fingers crossed, she, you know, can make it safely down, really. Nice. Okay. A little bit about the results from today. It's the first training round. They get two more. Uh, 16 missed gates all on that saddle jump. They couldn't figure it out. It's blind. It's tough. It's, it's crazy. It surprises me a little bit. They saw the men do it. They've inspected. They heard everybody's missing gates, but 16 people still missed the gate. All the U.S. Uh, skiers missed that gate except Schifrin. And in fact, Schifrin had two intermediate time sections in the top five, a second and a fourth she's really good so here are my picks i'm gonna go um, I'm, I'm gonna think goja's um knee is just not gonna let her ski like she can so i'm going first place corinne Suter. not a big stretch but Suter, goot coming from super g i think she's got the confidence and Schifrin in bronze so i don't have to wear the damn suit next time i got at least one american on the podium so uh Suter, goot and Schifrin. who's next all right, I'm, I'm jumping in there. You took a couple of my names though, Louie, but I'm going to add, I like Suter a lot and I like Schifrin a lot too because I think she's had a little bit of a switch now in her mind. And I, I think she this course sets up really well for her. But here's my dark horse is Ledetska. She impressed awesome. me. She impressed me with her first run, her first training run. 
and we know she's got the technical chops to do it. So we'll see. That's I'm 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 calling it. I'm going double gold and two two Olympics in a row. Yeah, uh, my picks. Um, I, I feel like Goji is just going to rise the occasion. She is tough. She's going to get just fueled up big time. You know, it's like she could just will herself to go fast. Um, and I think there's a little less pressure on her too because of her being, you know, her comeback from an injury. So I think she has that in her corner. And then um, I'm going Esther and then Chiffrin. I guess, uh, I mean, I, I love what, you know, Esther brings. She's like strong. She's, she attacks and all that. And I think Michaela's just, I mean, she's, she's, it's her time, right? And she's had, um, he said, just like that release after the Super G. She's got some good sections. Uh, I, I still don't think we've seen her best uh, skiing, and, and she can put it down downhill. So I didn't go there. And I'd say fourth um, fourth is Laura Goot, so atomic sweep. <laughs> oh, that's convenient. <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, my picks, I think Goja, again, like she's going to rise to the occasion, like what you said, Darren, and just like black out and go do her thing. Um, Suter, I think, looks really well. And this is like kind of her type of terrain, like pretty moderate from, you know, watching a TV angle. Like you can never really tell when you watch TV how steep anything is. Um, and Goot is looking solid. Like she skied well in the Super G. And I feel like she's just really built over the last few years off of that injury in like 2017 or whenever it was. I also think Vital could do really well. This is, again, I think this is like her type of terrain, like more of a moderate slope. She's a good glider. And like she rose to the occasion at World Champs in Cortina and she got silver. So it's like, she's kind of a dark horse. You know, she's not on the podium that consistently, but she has like risen up in these big moments. And like, she's been on the podium more than once. So I wouldn't rule her out either. Yeah, all these women and more have a great chance. It's, it's gonna be an exciting race, so. That's the best thing about racing. You never quite know how it's going to go down. Uh, since Marco's not here, I'm going to try to take care of this for him. I'm going to give a shout out to Alex Wilkinson. I mean, this is a girl that was a camper at, at the first AD camp. She's been a camper at every one of them. And now uh, she's the first one to represent the American downhiller movement on the World Cup and at the Olympics. And so I'm really psyched for her. I, I'm really excited to see her skiing and getting this experience and uh, I can't wait to have her come back to camp this May and, and you know impart to all the kids what it's all been like. Well thank you uh, of course Darren and AJ but Alice thank you so much for your time your inspiration your thoughts I am so jealous I wish I was a U12 at uh, Vail and under you and just ripping around with you thank you for being on the show. Well thanks for having me guys it was fun and yeah let's, let's go USA I got my flag. Yeah. Yeah. Thanks, Alice. All right. Thanks to Darren uh, and AJ. And thanks for watching and listening to our American Downhiller podcast. If you liked it, spread the word, share with your friends, post it, tell your coaches, tell your parents, tell everyone. You can find us in audio form at Spotify and Apple. And you can see us on video at skiracing.com. It also helps a ton if you subscribe and also give a great review looking forward our next podcast we will answer your questions if you have a question for us please email it to us at info 
at americandownhiller.com. Watch the women's downhill on Monday night and cheer on the American downhillers. Thanks, and always remember, ski fast, take chances. Mm -hmm.